0: Happy New Year, or Year's Eve, whatever. Um, I want to express, before I begin, I want to express my appreciation and delight at the many cards we've received uh, over the holidays. Very nice, uh, and some, thank you uh, Tammy and Ron, uh, we have posted on our bulletin board. We had pictures up on the fence very nice um, uh, but it was, it was a very nice holiday uh, the reason I'm kind of struggling a bit is that both Bev and I are having some uh, health difficulties and uh, so keep us in your prayers if you don't mind all right let's pray as we begin our study our Heavenly Father we uh, <clears throat> we stand in total need of your help this morning Make our minds clear. Keep our hearts focused on your word to us, which cleanses us. We're thankful for that, dear Lord. Bless this hour in Jesus' name, amen. Today, we're going back to pick up Leviticus 15, a chapter that we didn't We were scheduled to do last week, but it was Christmas, and we felt it a bit slightly inappropriate to deal with the topics on Christmas Day. Perhaps on New Year's it's still a little, let's put it this way, not inappropriate, but uncomfortable a little bit from the content of chapter 15, which has to do with discharges of things from the body both men and women. And so we're going to try to uh, go back and finish that chapter so that we can move on and finish this book uh, as rapidly as, as we can um, and pulling out the most uh, prominent lessons. I would like to, for everybody to remember that when we're reading these things, they sound all awful earthy, um, uh, almost at times crude. And yet it is the inspired word of God, and we hold in this church to the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures that they were without error in their original writings. This is God's word. There's a reason for these things. There was a reason then, that is when the people uh, of Israel were in the wilderness. And uh, as, as we cover some of this, I want you to uh, think a thought like I did. They needed a lot of water, didn't they? <laughs> There's, everything needs to be washed and everything like that. They're in the desert, they're in the wilderness And water is an issue, but God has provided copious amounts of water. Isn't that marvelous? Uh, In an otherwise arid area, uh, God has provided abundantly to the people of Israel as they're in the wilderness. I don't want to read every single verse in this, but I want to read enough to get a sense of what we're talking about Chapter 15, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, both of them. Leviticus 15. Leviticus is often called the priestly manual uh, by the Jews. And uh, uh, this is part of that. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. Remembering this one uh, uh, principle, that a thing is um, unclean does not mean it's sinful. It's just unclean, uh, uh, as it has to do with the uh, tabernacle and approaching God. Remember, God is dwelling with his people in their midst and he has located himself at the tabernacle above the Ark of the Covenant. And so uh, all of these relate to that reality. When a man has a discharge, it is unclean. And this shall be his uncleanness in regards to his discharge, whether the body runs with his discharge or his body is stopped up by his discharge. It is his cleanness. So we're, uh, a lot of common uh, commentators uh, uh, talk about that and they identify um, that it may be referencing to a, a, what we would call a venereal disease, uh, some sort of... Uh, Uh, what we would call today, but I think a light version of gonorrhea. Every bed, verse 4, is unclean on which he who has the discharge lies, and everything on which he sits shall be unclean. And whoever touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water. Look at that. Washing clothes and also bathing, lots of water there, and be unclean until evening. It's only until evening. It's not like it was permanently that way. He who sits on anything on which he who has the discharge sat shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening. And he who touches the body of him who has the discharge shall wash his clothes, bathe in water, and be unclean until evening repetitious there. If he who has the discharge spits on him who is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Any saddle on which he has, uh, on which he has uh, the discharge rides shall be unclean. Whoever touches anything that was under him shall be unclean until evening. He who carries any of those things shall wash his clothes bathe in water and be unclean until the evening. And whomever the one who has the discharge touches and has not rinsed his hands in water, he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water in the uncle- and be unclean until the evening. You get the sense of what's going on here. Uh, remember, these are the children of Israel. They're in the wilderness. They're, uh, they're moving toward the promised land. And they're not exactly, uh, uh, what do you call it, equipped with all the modern conveniences that we have, the products, the medicines, those kind of things. No, these are uh, instructions to the people of Israel who are in the wilderness, and so It has two levels of meaning at least, and maybe more, but uh, two levels of meaning. One is uh, management of the things, of the realities of being human beings, um, and especially in the wilderness without medical uh, things, and so forth. And secondly, as we have been saying, these things are typical. There's type here, and God is communicating not only to them, but to us. Which is amazing, I think. And and so we'll find uh, uh, these things. Uh, uh, interesting how we deal with these. And I'm first going to go to the New Testament in a few minutes. But let's skip down to verse 19. Um, because it's, uh, we're not just the men, but... If a woman has a discharge, and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set apart seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything she lies on shall be unclean. Everything she sits on shall be unclean. Uh, uh, Interesting. Uh, uh, Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And so forth and so on. So here we have a woman experiencing her menstrual cycle. And she is declared unclean for seven days. And she has to wash and do all of those things just like the man does. If he has omissions, the same. Um, uh, And uh, even in the sexual encounter with his wife or whatever. Uh, they have to go through this procedure. And verse 25, skip there. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Turn to man, uh, excuse me, Luke, would you please? Luke chapter 8. At verse 43. This is about Jesus in his ministry as he goes about preaching the word, healing and touching people. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years? My, mind I guess that's unclean with an exclamation mark. Who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind, and touched the border of his garment. And immediately, her flow of blood stopped. So the, this issue of the flow of blood in women and so forth is not just an Old Testament thing, but here it is part of Christ's ministry. He heals a woman who fits the definition back in the book of Leviticus as unclean. And Jesus said, I love this. I love this account. And Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples said, sir, you got people pressing you from every side. You know, how in the world can we possibly know that? Who touched me when all denied it Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me. And I perceived, my version says, power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately and he said to her daughter be of good cheer your faith has made you well go in peace oh my goodness (laughs) maybe a unclean person like myself can be saved by faith and the same for you this woman only had a flow of blood well she was a sinner too but by faith she was cured by faith we were saved these things are beautiful even if they refer to things that are a little uncomfortable I suppose Back in chapter 15. There's some beautiful stuff going on there. Go to Matthew. Um, I, I know I'm in the New Testament, but Matthew chapter 23, please. I'm making reference and connecting the parts, chapter 23, verse 23 through 26 about cleanness and washing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. As some of my opponents say, you're too critical. I say, I am critical of heresy. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, And have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Twice now he said that. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but... Inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first clean the inside of the cup and the dish and the outside of them will be clean also. He's not talking about washing dishes. He's using it as a type, as a figure. We have to pay attention to the inside of us. Not just the outside. On the outside, we get unclean in a lot of activities. But we should focus on the inside. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Being clean is a matter of the soul, not necessarily just of the body. As a matter of fact, the body instantly was fixed in this woman after 12 years. Wow. Would you imagine the joy that woman had when she went home that day? Oh my goodness. Do we have that same kind of joy? I believe we do. And we can rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ for here. When he cleanses, he cleanses from the inside out. I'm thankful for those things. John. I, I know I'm not done yet. John chapter 15. Would you go there, please? I'm slow this morning. Excuse me, guys. I'm slow. John 15. I am the true vine, beginning in verse 1, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more uh, fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You know, I, I remind us again of what the book of Hebrews teaches, that these Levitical laws are no longer uh, 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 relevant to us. We are not commanded, as some of my uh, atheist uh, uh, opponents believe, we're not commanded to follow the Levitical code at all. If we understand and know the truth of what those things were teaching... They had a dual purpose. One was real with the people in the desert, but the second one was typical. And Jesus makes reference to these things all the way through his ministry. It's absolutely amazing. But uh, uh, it is clear that Christ has his attention on our souls, not our bodies. And so, John chapter 15 well it's already done. you're already clean because of the words which I have spoken to you. And uh, you know, he says, uh, uh, the, the New Testament is very clear: The washing of water what's the other words? The washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word." Uh, I believe that's it, Ephesians five. Let check that out for me I don't even know um, verse 26 see if that's the correct reference 526 um, the washing of the water by the word the word is the water is that correct reference in Ephesians the cleansing that he's talking about is the cleansing that comes by the word of God not by the uh, by the cure of a flow of blood. So that is marvelous. I just can't get over what that woman must have done in celebration of what had happened to her by the touching of his garment. Yeah. That's uh, amazing. And I, uh, 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 but it, I do want you to know these, all these washing things in Leviticus has also the meaning of washing of the word of God. We have been washed. We are clean. How so? By the washing of the word. That's how we are made clean. and We have that status. We are clean because of the word of God that has been preached to us. Wow, any person who has expressed faith in Christ is clean. Now, um, I'm reminded also, and I couldn't think of the reference, so maybe somebody would do it. If you remember, somebody, some guy was running away from the army and from the Israelites, I think, and he hid beneath this woman's... Um, she said, I'm, I'm on this, and I'm on my period, and I can't... I can't uh, get up to help you. He was hidden under that. Then I think later she took a tent peg and drove it through his head. Do see anybody remember that scene? <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't uh, uh, make that reference. But uh, uh, it was interesting why they didn't say, get up off of there, let us check that out. But because she said she was on her period, it was unclean to them. They couldn't touch it. Interesting stuff and how this all works. Um, uh, And the same thing is true with her. Anything she lies on, sits on, whatever is unclean until they are washed and it's evening. But sometimes it's seven days as well. So I'm going to let that suffice a little bit uh, uh, for the most part of chapter 15. And uh, uh, read it carefully if you want to. Uh, And I'll finish with this. Go back to uh, chapter 15 in Leviticus 2, verse 31. Thus, you shall separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness when they defile my tabernacle that is among them. That's the bottom line. That's what it was all about. This is the law of the one who has a discharge and for him who emits semen and is unclean thereby and for her who is indisposed because of her customary impurity and for one who has a discharge, either man or woman, for him who lies with her who is unclean. So it's dealing with the um, uh, matter of fact uh, uh, needs of the people at that time and having great depth of spiritual meaning for us. And we'll leave it at that. And uh, uh, that doesn't exhaust it or anything. Uh, Anything like that. Now let's go to chapter 17. We did 16 uh, last week about the scapegoat and the uh, day of atonement. Uh, that great day of atonement. The scapegoat representing Christ in both of his ministries, one, dying for us, and two, carrying our sins away. Beautiful stuff. All from the book of Leviticus, if you connect it with the New Testament. And so that's what we're trying to do. Now we're gonna move on. Uh, I think... I personally think that we're going to have more direct benefit or uh, easier benefit when we get to the book of Romans. I intend to go there. I still haven't checked with everybody to make sure that that that's okay, but I want to go to the book of Romans uh, next, and so I don't want to bog down in Leviticus too long, but at the same time, I don't want to neglect the beauties of it while we're there it is God's word it is inspired and it is for us not to keep in the same sense but it is for us to learn the principles and how we see that in Christ (coughs) this lady touched Christ anything she touches is unclean oh no And that's where you'll get the reality is that he wasn't talking about bodily uncleanness. And when he was talking with the Pharisees and raking them over the coals about how evil they were for attending to everything on the outside, keep it all clean, body, clothes, utensils. And yet at the same time, inside they were full of Dead men's bones unclean. When you see that kind of thing, you appreciate the teaching of Jesus Christ in a new way, I think. It is so poignant, so so exacting um, to to convict the Pharisee of his hypocrisy. I have to tell you, ich bin ein hypocrite. I am a hypocrite. I was a hypocrite. I'm borrowing from Kennedy's statement back in, when was that when he was in Berlin? Ich bin ein Berliner. (laughs) Okay. But I was also a Pharisee before I believed. Unclean on the inside, mostly unclean on the outside. Okay, chapter 17. Remember, they're in the desert, they're uh, proceeding, or hopefully proceeding, right? They do settle down, they've been settled down for some time now, uh, when all of this is written and spoken to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron to his sons and to all the children of Israel and say to them, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, whoever kill a, whatever man in the house of Israel who kills an ox or lamb or goat in the camp or who kills it outside the camp and does not bring it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to offer an offering to the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord, the guilt of bloodshed shall be imputed to that man. The guilt of bloodshed shall be imputed to that man, credited to him. He has shed blood and that man shall be cut off from among his people. So don't go killing animals for sacrificing when you're out in the field or something. Unclean. Wrong to the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices which they offer in the open field, that they may bring them to uh, to the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting to the priest and offer them as peace offerings to the Lord. We're talking about a um, a practice that apparently has developed that they're uh, doing something by themselves uh, out in the field uh, by way of offering up to God what they might have seen at the tabernacle. But it is explicitly clear that there's only one place, one place that you bring sacrifices. The tabernacle of meeting to the priest. And the priest shall sprinkle the blood on the altar of the Lord at the door and so forth and so on. Verse 7, there shall uh, they shall no more offer their sacrifices to demons, there it is, kind of a clue, after whom they have played the harlot. This shall be a statute forever for them throughout their generations. So they, uh, uh, they had developed these practices of, of uh, uh, devilish kinds of worship, conducting it by themselves in the field. Um, and you shall say to them whatever man of the house of Israel, verse 8 or of the strangers who dwell among you who offer a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to offer it to the Lord the man shall be cut off from among his people again, the really strong lesson that there's one place to offer sacrifices and only one No, I I'm not going to run off on that. Do you, are you aware that uh, long before this, uh, um, Noah understood the concept of clean and unclean? Long before Leviticus. Isn't that interesting? Because he, had, he selected uh, 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 two of the unclean, right? And then, uh, was it two of the unclean? And uh, a larger amount of the clean. That was before Leviticus. All right. Uh, For the life, verse 11, of the flesh is in the blood. The life is in the blood. If I were going to preach, that's the title I would choose from this text. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls... It is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Gee, am I reading from Matthew? He's just described the cross of Christ. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, no one among you shall eat blood or shall any stranger who dwells among you eat blood for the life of is in the blood. Whatever man of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you who hunts and catches an animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with dust. Haven't you done that, Some of those of you who hunt? No. I have. I've done that. But I didn't think I didn't do it as a uh, uh, what, as a, uh, an intention to uh, fulfill Leviticus. I didn't even know Leviticus at that time. But I would bleed them. I, we often did that in the field. We didn't cover it with dust. We just threw it in the bag and went home. Uh, therefore, I said to the children, "No one among you shall eat blood, and shall any stranger who dwells among you eat blood." Whatever men of the children of Israel or the strangers who dwell among you who hunts and catches that animal shall pour out its blood. All of this has to do with the atoning character of blood. The life is in the blood. In Christ's blood, he shed it for you and our sins were imputed to him. Aren't you glad? Boy, am I glad. (laughs) I I had a list. I have a list. And I am glad that my sins were imputed to this scapegoat. And he took my sin as far as he as in the West. Not only that, but as we'll study later in Romans, his righteousness was imputed to me? How can that be? But it's true. I have the righteousness of Christ. And don't you forget it. (laughs) We have the righteousness of Christ by imputation. You didn't earn it. You You didn't build it up. It was given to you. But don't you ever, ever deny it. Beautiful stuff. Leviticus plays out in its typical way. It's typical of those things that played out in Christ's day. Mind you, Christ is still using type in the New Testament. Sometimes he uses it on purpose so that no one understands it except those who have been enlightened. Wow. Let's see what we got to do to finish this chapter. Verse 15. And every person who eats what dies naturally or what was torn by beast, whether he is a native of your own country or a stranger, he shall both wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening, then he shall be clean. But if he does not wash them or bathe his body, then he shall be Bear his guilt? but that's a clue. We go from type to some reality about sin and guilt. It's amazing. But he does not say that it is wrong or wicked or sinful to eat a, uh, uh, an animal that is torn by a beast. And it just says that it makes him unclean. And if he doesn't, he'll bear his guilt. I don't know what the people of Israel, when they heard those words, uh, understood that to mean. Because they didn't have the New Testament to check that all out and to see how that was fulfilled in Christ Jesus. But anyway, uh, that's chapter 17 and I'm going to let it go at that. Uh, and looking forward to uh, trying to move through the book as much as we can. I think I've shared with you uh, a number of times that we're getting into that area uh, where instructions are given to the people of, uh, to the children of Israel out in the wilderness um, about what kind of clothes to wear, how to do with this, and all that kind of stuff. And that keeps throwing it in your face if you deal with atheists and unbelievers. They... They like to believe that all. Uh, what are you still wearing? Uh, I, I, he's uh, one would say. Uh, I'm sure you're wearing wool and cotton on the same body. And so I say, what a juvenile response! <laughs> and then the person says, "Well, you're not very kind." I said, <laughs> "Well." Uh, understand the scriptures, you know, uh, before you run at the mouth. Uh, 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 These things are not for us. They were fulfilled in Christ. They were also made obsolete by the new covenant. And we are no longer required to meet the obligations of the Levitical rules and laws. Nor are the Jews. Unless, of course... You haven't yet believed on the Passover lamb. I have a number of people that I'm dealing with right now who are Jews. and They're not evangelical Jews, <laughs> but they're Jew-Jews, okay? And uh, they're hard-headed people. I'd almost rather deal with an atheist any day than to deal with a hard-hearted Jewish person. But nonetheless, I do. And I witness to them, and I tell them how Christ fulfilled the law. And he was the Passover lamb. And that, you know, after a while, they begin to wilt a little bit under the, uh, under the uh, testimony of, of the New Testament. They don't like the New Testament, but they know what the Passover lamb is and the concept of it. And so you can bet I take full advantage of that. We need to do that more and more in our day and age when, when the world thinks that Christianity is losing on every front. Do you all think it is? Is God losing it? It's everybody leaving the church. Well, there's a lot of people that should leave their church, okay? We've got a lot of churches that ought to be abandoned today. But I do not think, I think God is saving exactly the number that he has chosen in eternity. Ephesians chapter 1 tells me that. I don't know about the outward manifestation of that, but I'm not worried about it, nor do I go around making an argument of how to, how to stop the bleeding of membership from Christian churches. But see, Christian churches with most people include the Catholic Church and others. I even got some people that believe that the Mormons are a Christian Uh, sect, not hardly, Uh, but it's just amazing uh, the the lack of understanding in the modern world about these things. So go out and preach uh, these things. You don't have to use the book of Leviticus to start that. You can uh, skip over that. God has sent Christ into our life and world, and he has told us the truth about these things. I'm looking forward to uh, further study here and then moving over to the book of Romans. Lord willing, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, dear Lord, for the contents of and the beauties of these earthy things in the book of Leviticus for we know that they are in a way typical of those things that you would teach later but we take great comfort in knowing that we are clean because of the words that you have preached to us thank you father for the cleansing power of the holy scripture we pray this in jesus name amen